You are listening to a Jesus Film Project podcast, The Unheard Story, where we tell stories that the world needs to hear. So welcome to The Unheard Story. Our mission is to tell stories that the world has never heard before of how God is moving. Today, we have the opportunity to hear from David Hamilton, Vice President of YWAM. David served the Lord and lived all over the world in his over 35 years of serving with YWAM. And a treat for us today, we have Josh Newell, and he's here to help us welcome David and give a little background to the story. Josh Newell is the Executive Director of Jesus Film Project. So Josh and David, welcome. It's so exciting to have you both on The Unheard Story. Thanks, Laura. Really great to be here. David, welcome as well. Thank you so much, Josh and Laura. Yeah, it's a yeah. privilege to have you with us. Um, David, you uh, you became a friend upon me entering into this role about three years ago. You were one of the first people that reached out to, to me to um, just say that you were rooting for me and you're rooting for... Um, the Lord's favor to continue with Jesus Film Project. I deeply, deeply appreciate you. And of course, we deeply appreciate YWAM and, and the partnership that we've enjoyed together. Um, the mission that you're on currently of ending Bible poverty now is something that um, raises the the sales in the heart. And and so it's a it's a joy to partner with you in 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 those ways for sure. Um we're we're here together today because when I was with you last in Kona, where you live, you were telling me the story in your house of of praying for a certain people group in a country in North Africa. And I think for the purposes of the of the podcast, we probably should leave it as a country in North Africa as opposed to naming the country because it uh, the the government is actually pretty hostile to the to the gospel and to people who follow Jesus there. And we and we want to be sensitive to that for sure. But um, my my mind was racing as you told this story that spanned um, over 30 years, closing in on 40. So um, I know you know the story that I'm referring to. So why don't you just kind of bring us back to how this began when, when God put it on your heart for not just you, but for your family to be praying for um, the people who live in this country. Well, Josh, thank you so much for the privilege of being with you. Uh, I celebrate every opportunity I have to be able to do something in collaboration with you and Jesus Film. We believe heartily in what you are doing and thank God for the remarkable ministry that you have that brings transformation, gospel transformation to so many around the world. Uh, Today, there are many testimonies that one can hear of how uh, people in a Muslim background context have uh, unexpected, uh, miraculous encounters with Jesus. Many tell testimonies of dreams in the night where they see a man in white approach them and introduce himself in in Arabic, the name would be Isa, or that's the name for Jesus. And... uh, and lead them to a place of relationship with with the living God. Uh, The story I want to tell you about is uh, the first time I encountered this reality 
for myself. And at that time, this was an unheard of uh, situation. So at this particular time was April 1999. My family and I were traveling through Africa, my wife and four children. And we were going to this country. And I was so excited. Now, that's 22 years ago uh, that this trip happened. But at that time, the reason I was so excited is because, well, 15 um, uh, years earlier, I had done my first school of evangelism with Youth with a Mission in, in Holland. And during the three months of that lecture phase, uh, we were told that there were three countries on earth that there was not a single known follower of Jesus. Now, today we talk about people groups or tribes uh, who may not yet have been reached with the gospel. But these, at, in 1977, there were three countries, whole nations that did not have any known believers. And one of them was this country in, in North Africa. And I was cut to the quick. I, I couldn't imagine that nearly 2,000 years after Jesus, that there'd be a, a place that devoid of awareness of the gospel. And so God placed a burden in my heart and with my fiance, Christine, who shortly thereafter became my wife, and we began praying intently for this nation. We just, it was, wasn't that we set ourselves to make a discipline. It was the Holy Spirit would bring it to our mind, and day after day, week after week, we prayed. For 15 years, we prayed with great intensity. And, but it was oftentimes challenging how to pray, because usually we pray things like, Lord, anoint the, those who are proclaiming the word, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers. But not only were there no believers in this country, there were no pastors, evangelists, and teachers. Uh, sometimes we pray, Lord, may there be unity among your people uh, so that because you promise that if we are one, the world will know if we as we love one another. But there are no people to be united with <laughs> there the, because there are no followers of Jesus. So many of the usual prayers didn't seem to apply. So what we came to was pray to the Lord of the harvest and send laborers. And so we prayed, Lord, send laborers and send laborers. But we know that God often calls, but not always do people respond. And so we, we've said, and this is in the seven, late 70s, early 80s, we began praying something. At that time, no one talked about this. said, Lord, if laborers are slow in responding to your call, because we believe every time we ask God, he tugs at somebody's heart. And But we all know that sometimes God has to speak to us three or four or five times but to get our attention, and maybe a few more times before he gets our obedience. And I said, would you please do something miraculous? Would you reveal yourself in some sovereign, supernatural, special way to people who are really hungry after truth? So we prayed like this week after week, month after month, year after year, 15 years went by, uh, three, four times a week with great intensity. And, and then the burden lifted. So we, this was our prayers from 1977 till about 1993, there or Wow. And uh, we did pray from time to time after that, but it wasn't to have that same passion. We'd never been in that country. 
And on this day and um, the last day of March, we were heading to that country. We we're going to spend the first few days of April in that nation. And I was giddy with excitement. We told the kids, they'd prayed with us uh, at times for this nation. And we, we knew that God had answered our prayers because we we're going to go and be with, uh, stay with a YWAMer whose name is Anna. And, uh, with, and we knew that there were a couple other uh, Christian expressions that had established themselves in the country. So we knew to some degree prayers had been answered, but we had no idea of what we would encounter there. Um, as we gathered with Anna in her home for dinner, we, we sat down on the, on the carpeted floor, or the, you know, carpeted with, with beautiful hand-woven rugs and uh, rich tapestries as is the custom in that part. And we began having a common meal with one bowl in the center and, and Anna and our family and, and friends from this nation who had gathered who are followers of Jesus. And so with wide-eyed and anticipation and excitement as we shared food, eating with our hands from this common bowl, uh, we began just delicious, spicy, hot food. It was a wonderful environment. We said, would you tell us your story? So the first one who spoke up, we'll call her Maria. That's not her real name. But Maria was the first follower of Isa, a follower of Jesus in this nation. So how, how did you come to meet him? She said about six uh, years ago, this is 1999, six years ago would have been about 1993, which was about the time that 15 years, that 15 year season of prayer lifted. She said, I was um, in my, my room. It was evening. I wasn't yet bedtime, uh, but I was getting, going through my evening rituals. Uh, her father was a, a well-known um, mullah, a religious leader in the nation. And, and in, my, in the room, there's this man, and he says, Hello, my name is Isa. And he begins talking to me about himself and how he wants to work in my life and bring forgiveness. Um, so she has this amazing encounter with him. As a result, the next day, she does not participate in the normal uh, prayers, the five ritual prayers that she's accustomed to, but she she has a, a prayer to Isa, who has revealed himself to her. Uh, this goes on for several days. At first, the father thought this was going to pass, but it doesn't, and so he gets quite worried about her, and he calls her in, and 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 he says, he, he tries to, and he begins trying to talk with her. But throughout this time, Isa appears again and again and again. So it's not just a one-time event. And she's, when he leaves, her heart is always filled with such joy. She, she writes down a, a journal of what those encounters are like. She writes poetry, worshiping him and thanking him. She, she writes reflections on what he's told about his character and what he has done. And uh, um, finally, a father calls in, and he he is convinced that she has been possessed by an evil spirit. So he he sits her down and tries to uh, deliver her, and um, within their traditional religious ways. 
And as he looks into her directly into her eyes, which is something that is not done in a culture, man never looks into the eyes of a woman except for his wife, not even other family members. As he looks into his eyes, he gets thrown back on his back and on the ground. Uh, he, he's, he's knocked like someone punched him and knocked him off the feet. So he gets up uh, to look into her eyes again because that's the methodology he uses to do this deliverance. And once again, he falls on the ground. And wow. he gets up and says, I can't do this. Um, the spirit that is in you is greater than the spirit that is in me. Uh, which is, of course, very reminiscent of a key Bible passage. Um, he later got uh, uh, cancer, was ill. She prayed for him. He was healed. Uh, there was he, he, too, came to a faith in this wonderful Isa who had changed his daughter's life. Uh, the authorities, when they learned of this, were most unhappy. Uh, they threw her into jail, which she... Um, was the light, well, you know, took advantage of because, of course, she had a captive audience, pun intended. And um, she, uh, numbers of people in in the jail came to to the Lord. So that this throwing into jail didn't stop the spread of the word. So they threw her out of jail. There were several attempts to get rid of her life, but she seemed... Um, uh, unkillable. There was always a miraculous intervention. So about two, three years after she first met Isa, he keeps revealing himself to her. Um, the first missionaries from afar arrive in that country, the first ones of any nation. They'd, they'd been previously served in, a, in another North African nation, and they'd been too successful, so the government of that nation invited them to leave. And so they went to this new nation where <laughs> Maria was living. And uh, and they, they still didn't encounter her. They'd, a year had passed after they had arrived in the country before on one occasion they met Maria. And she was so excited when they, she discovered that they were followers of Isa because she thought she and the people that she had talked with were the only followers of Isa in the world. He had no idea that there was anyone else. And they said, no, no, we, we too are followers of Isa. And there, and there are millions of them all around the world. And she looked at them and said, well, why didn't you come sooner? Why would you have kept such a good news a secret to yourselves? And they explained the challenges. And they said, and did you know that Isa has given us a book? And they gave her a gift of the Bible in her language. And she had no idea such a thing even existed. And so she began to devour it from cover and started in, in Genesis, just began reading till the end. And when she came to Psalms, she was reading through and she came to a particular Psalm and she's reading the worship and praise to God. And she paused and go, something triggered in her memory. And she went back and looked at her journal and back through the, the months and the years that she had been writing after those encounters with Jesus. And these several verses out of this psalm were word for word what she had written in her journal. She read on and read a few more, a, a few more pages and found another psalm. And again, she said, oh, that's like a journal. And she found another time. So as she was res 
responding to Jesus in worship. She was unknowingly just putting into her language words that David and the psalmist of old had written in Hebrew generations and millennia before. And this was such an encouraging confirmation that what she had experienced was real and genuine. So she, we, we were all obviously pretty excited by the time she told this story. So we, she was one of a, several of this first generation of believers in that country. And so we went on to the next one. And this is a gentleman. And I said, well, well what was your story? Well, hey, David, before you go into that next story, yeah, um, of course, Laura yeah. and I are, are just, we're literally speechless <laughs> as you're sharing this because it, uh, even though I've heard this story um, prior, it's still an incredible uh, testimony to the Holy Spirit working mm-hmm. on so many different fronts. He's obviously um, with you and Christine and your family and that 15 year season of prayer, intense prayer, um, without even knowing Maria's name, you were praying for her. Yeah. And, and then to hear kind of like on the, the latter end of that, um, season of prayer for her to, um, experience Jesus in the, in, in such a, a close and intimate way. Uh, I mean, that's, that's just incredible. Wouldn't we all like to have that type of face-to-face encounter where we where we can journal what is mm. mirrored in the scripture. Josh, you know, yeah. uh, it is such a testimony to God's goodness. We, many of us will hear of the answers of our prayers when we get to heaven. It was just a kindness of him that we saw a little bit of the fruit while we're still here on earth. And it encourages us, and I hope it encourages everyone who's listening to this to pray. Pray for the lost. You don't need to know their name. You don't need to know all their circumstances. You just need to be responsive to the um, what the Spirit of God places in in you. That that longing, that calling to say, "I we want to we want to give ourselves fully to seeing your kingdom extended, Lord." And He will answer. You you pray crazy prayers. That's what I love about you. But um, I, I think that story is just an affirmation too, that sometimes our, our safe prayers are, um, are just that, but the Lord is inviting us into some pretty crazy spaces with him. You know, if we pray general prayers, we get general answers. If we pray specific prayers, we'll get specific answers. That's incredible. It takes a little more risk. Sometimes we, we pray prayers that are safe prayers. We say, Lord, if it is your will, well, let's first discover what his will is and then pray his will. And it is always his will that people hear the good news of Jesus Christ. We can pray with great conviction, with certainty in our hearts, and trust that God will work far above and beyond our wildest dreams. Hmm, so encouraging. Well, let me tell you one more story from this, Neil. I can't tell you all of them, but there was a, an, another brother who had come to faith in a similar way. So we said, tell us your story. He said it was after lunchtime and he was getting ready to go upstairs to, to rest in very, very hot desert climates. And so they have a siestas in the afternoon. And um, as he was getting ready to go to sleep, 
he hears someone knocking on the door. And he goes down and he sees someone there standing at the door knocking. Just want you to think of that phrase, standing at the door knocking. Does that remind you of maybe a passage in the book of Revelation? Yes. And he opens the door and there's this man dressed in their local attire with beautiful long flowing blue robes and a uh, turban on his head. And he says, calls him by name. And he says, I'm Isa. I would like to be your friend. Can we go for a walk? And he invites him out of the house and they go walking through the street. And in that culture, uh, men who are good friends, they, they hold hands as a sign of friendship. There's no weird overtones there. And they're walking through the street and he walks with Isa holding his hand for an hour or so. Wow. The week next week, there's again the knocking of the door and the week after that and the week after that. This is something so much more than a, a night vision or a dream. Hmm. He's uh, physically <laughs> encountering the resurrected Jesus who tells him about himself. Well, it was... He went on to express this, the wonder of being in the presence of Jesus. And at that time, when you remember earlier, there had been zero followers of, of Jesus at, when I first heard of this nation in 1977. This is now 1999. It's 22 years on. And I, I go, um, how many believers, how many followers of Isa are there in the country? And they looked around and kind of chatted back and forth in their language. And they said, uh, we, we think there's about 2,000 of us. And he said, and, and I said, how many of them have had an experience like these two that we just heard about? Again, they chatted. And they said, mm, something like 65 or 70%. Wow. That's incredible. And so we see that God is a God who goes to great lengths. If we are slow in going, our God will step in. But he does so in response to passionate, dedicated prayers. But how much more powerful now that they are growing, that they can share with others, and many, many more in this country have come to faith since then. There's still ongoing needs. We need to continue to pray for this and many nations, that the love of God would be experienced and the truth would God of God would be embraced so that the forgiveness and redemption of God can be experienced. Mm. Amen. Those are incredible stories, David. Thank you for sharing them. And thank you for all that you do. I know in so many nations, the mm. first time people see uh, mm. Jesus is on a screen with yeah. the help of Jesus film. And this is another amazing way that the gospel is going forth. And so we salute God's work in you and through you and pray God's continued blessing on Jesus film. Oh. Well, thank you. Uh, we, we had one more question for you <laughs> after those stories, like Josh said, I feel kind of speechless, but also so encouraged by those stories. And We'd love to ask you, what word of encouragement would you have for us as followers of Jesus right now in just this crazy cultural moment? You know, God has a heart, uh, a love for 
all and every. The first time he speaks to Abraham, he says, Abraham, I want to bless your family because through your family, I want to bless every family in all the nations of the earth. When Jesus gives his last words to his disciples, what we know is the Great Commission, he says, preach the gospel to every creature. He says, disciple all the nations. And later on in, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, it says, God wants all persons to be saved. And that's why he sent his son as a person, Jesus Christ, to be a mediator between all persons and God. This, his desire is for absolutely everyone. All of us know people who don't know Jesus. All of us can be sure that Jesus yeah. wants them to know him. And Jesus wants to reveal himself in some real and tangible ways. He does that in various means. Sometimes through dreams and miraculous encounters like what I just described, but most usually through other people who have their life been filled with the Spirit of God, who are walking in real, genuine relationship with God. So you, I encourage you and all of your hearers to take advantage of every opportunity to demonstrate the love of God, to share the truth of God, and speak good news. We all need a message of forgiveness and redemption. And what a privilege we have to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Yeah. I love that. Great question, Laura. And David, amazing. Thanks for being with us. Yeah. Thank you all for the privilege. God bless you. Yeah, thank you. I'm just going to close this out here. Thank you for listening to our story today and for your partnership to make sure that everyone in the world can hear the story of Jesus' love. We're so thankful, David, you came on with us today. Thank you. If you've enjoyed the Jesus Film Podcast Unheard Story and would love to get more involved with Jesus Film, we would encourage you to sign up to be an enthusiast. You can do this and find out more information about it at www.jesusfilm.org enthusiasts. It's a really easy, simple thing, and you can help spread what the Jesus Film is doing to all your friends and family doing social media. It explains more on the website, but after you sign up, you'll get an image sent to you weekly with text to put with it, and then you post it every week. And that's about it. So learn more about this by checking out www.jesusfilm.org slash enthusiasts. Thank you for listening to the Jesus Film Project podcast, The Unheard Story, where we tell stories that the world needs to hear.